another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. So for those of you in the United States, happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, This episode should be coming out July 3rd, which means I have the day off from work and I'm spending it watching not only the Broadway Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, but also the first shows from the summer 2020 anime season that are starting today. Uh, Obviously, it'll be a couple of weeks until the first episodes of all these shows have come out so that I'll be able to give my thoughts on the first episodes. Uh, So I'll save that for the next episode of this podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, In the meantime, though, let's take a look back on the spring 2020 anime season and where we ended with all of those shows. So at the start of the season, I'd been interested in about 30 different shows. Uh, after the first episodes of all the shows I could find legally, I was able to narrow it down to 18 shows I was able to give at least three episodes to. Uh, and from there, I was able to narrow it down to 15 more uh, or 15 total that I would follow along until the end of the season. Uh, unfortunately, due to COVID delaying several of these shows, by the end of the season, I was only able to actually complete nine. Uh, BNA, however, was one of those shows I wasn't originally able to find a legal stream for, but that released this past Tuesday, June 30th, on Netflix here in the West, and so I was able to get an even 10 shows for the season. Not bad if I say so myself. Uh, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, those six shows that got delayed due to COVID are all currently scheduled to return to streaming this summer season. Uh, in fact, Digimon has picked up already uh, with a fourth episode coming out this past weekend. Uh, in any case, let's get to those t- 10 shows. Um, I'll try to leave out major plot spoilers out of my discussions for each show, though I may hint at certain things that affected my enjoyability of the show overall um, in, in vague terms. So you, know, you have been warned. Uh, we'll go in order from lowest score to the highest. Um, I use a five-point scale where five means that it's a show that excels on most measures, though you know there may be some isolated nitpicks. Uh, four is generally an above-average show. Three is average. Two is below average, and one means fails on most measures, though there may be some isolated redeeming qualities. This is all tied to my personal tastes and preferences, so you know there may be shows that you may think are not as great, but if your tastes match mine, you'll probably enjoy them a little bit more. Um, I'll also try to recommend a couple shows similar to the ones from this season if you're in the mood for something similar afterwards. Uh, in comparison, the way I'm going to do my, my analyst scores is that a one, I'll basically add five to these scores um, uh, for my anime list since apparently no one scores anything below a five on Mal. All right, to the shows. First up, we have Listeners, an anime original show about a boy, Echo, who discovers an amnesiac girl, Mew, who can plug into an amp and turn it into a mech to fight these monsters called Earless. Um, They travel the post-apocalyptic world to try to find out exactly what Mew's past is and then uh, various mysterious events that happened years ago. So let me start with the good of the show. Uh, I really dig the aesthetic, the art style, and character design. Uh, the, the pastelist color palette was, you know, always super pleasing to the eye. Uh, as is fitting for a show about music created by Mechaku City's creator, the musician Jin, uh, the opening theme of, the, of this song by the Akamers, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Into the Blues, is an outright banger. Uh, and one of the openings I actually never skipped all season. Um, I always loved the little animated clip in the opening of Echo and Mu jamming out. Um, likewise, the endings were actually something really special here. Uh, Mu's voice actress, Rie Takahashi of Megumin fame from Konosuba, actually sung a different song for all 12 episodes. Um, and they would remix animation assets from out the episode for the ending, uh, you know, a little bit of a color, color palette on top. So that means I never actually skipped any episode's uh, ending theme because uh, I wanted to see what they would do this particular episode. 
Um, ironically enough, though, my favorite one of these was the ending or ending of episode 12. That was actually just a remix of the opening song, uh, you know, Into the Blues modern version sung by Ria Takahashi. Um, I will say that the anime also did an okay job of bringing back all of the one-off characters throughout the series for the finale, something I wish more series would, you know, do sometimes. Uh, that said, this show had a lot of lofty ambitions, but ultimately failed to you know execute on most of them. Uh, first off, this was billed as a music anime, but it ended up being more of a mecha anime that just themed around music. And while I would be fine as that as a mecha anime fan, even the mechas weren't particularly creative or well-designed or thought out. As for the music references being made, while I do appreciate the, you know, the discussions, the limited discussions online and pointing out what each episode was alluding to and you know the different real-life artists they referenced, um, they felt very shallow and you know beyond the characters simply ha- referencing this particular individual and screaming out random famous lyrics, the illusion still didn't really capture the feel of the relevant groups. It'd be have been super cool if each person had a fighting style that was really super influenced by the music of that particular group. Um, you know, the best comparison I would be how in you know Super Smash Brothers, uh, Sakurai captures not only the look and references the characters of the game he adds to the, the game, but also the playstyle of the original game. So Min Min, for example, from Arms, which came out this past week. Uh, has a one-two punch using the AB button, just like the original arms using AB punch, or the the one-two punch uh, using the Joy Cons, or Terry, Ken, and Ryu all use you know quarter circle moves for inputs coming from their uh, fighting game you know background. Um, that you know Smash Brothers tangent aside, I think that there were a lot of big ideas in here, you know, and a lot of themes in the world that the team wanted to build out. Um, unfortunately, the pacing of exploring and building out that world felt rust. The ending message of you know what the mystery of the earless were and what happened so many years ago is very muddled and unclear what happened. Um, and I can't really get around like what are they trying to say? Like what's the message you're trying to get across? It was very muddled. You know, I can't really recommend anyone check out this show. You know, if anything, find an album of the music uh, and catch all the catchy tunes. Um, listeners will get a one amplifier out of five. Definitely not going up to eleven. Um, if you want a well done music anime, you know, check out Music Carolyn Tuesday uh, or Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Uh, you know, of or uh, you know, also check out most of Watanabe's works since they make a lot of musical references. Or you know, just watch JoJo. Everything's a JoJo reference. Um, anyway, uh, next up we have Tamayomi, uh, a show about two girls, Tama and Yomi, uh, who help revive their high school's baseball team based on a manga of the same name. So, you know, first off, the biggest surprise of this show was how into the weeds it got into the baseball terminology and jargon and all the strategy involved. You know, unlike a lot of other shows that dive deep into a concept, there's usually some sort of surrogate character or hand-holding and explaining exactly what it means uh, to the audience members, you know, by what they mean by specific jargon being used. I really appreciate that they didn't do this because, you know, it's so, it allowed the show to really get into the weeds, uh, which is something I really enjoy. And for the plot, while also trusting that the audience would be smart enough to keep up, something not a lot of shows actually do in respecting the audience. Uh, sometimes I did get a bit bit lost since I'm not the biggest baseball buff, but you know there was enough to, able to get that get, to get by if you paid attention. You know, kind of like how you can find a video essay on YouTube about the, the history of speedrunning and barely know anything about the mechanics of the games you're you're watching about, but then you're suddenly completely engrossed following that narrative. Um, you know, toward the end of the season, and this isn't much of a spoiler, they were able to enter the interschool baseball tournament and get paired up against one of the national favorites. You know 
as a team of rookies. Um, without giving away the ending, they're able to make the resolution of that game completely believable and not a cop-out. You know, most sub-parsos, so you'd be able to tell going in that, oh, they're definitely going to lose, you know, in order to grow as a team, or they would somehow power through with the power of friendship. Um, so again, both kind of cop-outs, for my, in my opinion, and it removes some of the tension going into the game. Uh, but here, I legitimately did not know how it was going to end until the final minutes of the season. You know, that said, as much as it is a sports anime, it's also a cute girls doing cute things So, uh, With that comes the diabetes and like Yuri overtones, which your mileage may vary depending on your personal tastes. Uh, there aren't, you know, those aren't usually my thing, to be honest. Uh, some downsides, downsides, I'll note that, you know, some characters felt much more sidelined than others. Obviously, Tama and Yomi uh, had kind of the, the forefront, but then there were a couple other characters that also were much more featured than others. Uh, one character, one of those characters in particular, while, you know, adorable, did have some self-confidence issues uh, throughout an arc that lasted perhaps a little bit too long in how long it took to get resolved. Um, the biggest ding, however, on the series is the production quality. Uh, this was produced by Studio ACAT, which has only been around for three years, and it definitely shows. Um, you can definitely, there were some moments, especially the first episode where they had their first actual game, uh, they went completely off model in their animation. Um, and while I don't have anything against using 3D CGI in anime, it was kind of jarring when they top in the model randomly after having been hand run for a couple of minutes. So, uh, in any case, I'm giving this show two curveballs out of five. Uh, you could probably go up a point if you're interested in cute girls doing cute things uh, with slight notes of Yuri, or if you're you know out to watch all of the baseball anime. I can't say I've seen too many baseball anime to make recommendations, but in my brief research, I was able to find some cute girls doing baseball things anime uh, in Cinderella 9, Taiso Baseball Girls, and Moshidora. Next up, we have Arte, uh, A-R-T-E, uh, an adaptation of a manga about a young girl in Renaissance Italy who tries to become an artist at a time when it was very rare for women to enter the artistic trades. Uh, the biggest strength of the series, honestly, is Arte as a main protagonist. Uh, she's extremely likable and someone you just want to root for. You know, bubbly and upbeat, but you know, also unrelenting and unyielding in the pursuit of her craft, um, despite all odds against her. You know, also sometimes a bit dense when it comes to the ways of the world. You know, part of being a sultan upbringing, part of being a bit of a klutz or a little bit of a ditzy, ditzy. Um, but you know, overall with a generally positive attitude all around. Uh, seeing her overcomes the obstacles placed before her and eventually win over her dismissive and at that time hostile detractors uh, to get them to you know support her and her journey is really you know super awesome to see um, this interaction with others you know shows how well-rounded the character is and how much depth he has and more importantly how much he grows over the course of the season uh, this growth is especially highlighted in the last third of the series the last four episodes uh, which take her from Florence to Venice uh, with a whole new cast of characters uh, I won't spoil much more than that, but you know, since this anime adapted 37 of 75 manga chapters released so far, uh, what we got is an act, looks like it's an anime original ending. Uh, there was a pleasant enough resolution to the end of it all. Um, 
you know, the decisions he makes in the final episodes just shows how far he's come as a person. Uh, I don't really have many negative qualities with the name. Uh, you know, if anything, my score of three frescoes out of five uh, really just reflects that everything in the show is accomplished competently, if not spectacularly. Um, if you like spunky, upbeat protagonists or non-Japanese settings based in real-world historical places, uh, this is definitely worth checking out. Uh, some recommendations I have, uh, Akatsuki no Yona uh, also has a strong female lead doing something that most people in her time period, in this case, uh, becoming a rebel leader in a fictional medieval Asia, uh, wouldn't expect. Uh, Miss Hokusai uh, is a movie based on a famous Japanese artist in the Edo period. And if you want more Renaissance fun, uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't find a series based in Italy, but I do love the comedy sword series uh, Seko Boys about an idol group of Renaissance period busts in modern-day Japan. Uh, random, I know, but I'll plug it whenever I can. S-E-K-K-O-B-O-Y-S, Seko. Uh, perhaps the so um, next up that I'll call the most underrated of the season is Wave Listen to Me or Namiyo Kitekure, uh, an anime about a, reluct- a restaurant worker in Hokkaido uh, who discovers the world of broadcast radio. Uh, I call it the sleeper hit because it may not be the melodrama of shows like Sing Yesterday to Me or The Escaped Fantasy of Tower of God or Teenage High School Hijinks of Kaguya-sama, but it still is super enjoyable. Uh, funnily enough, though the manga of the series that's based on uh, did the legendary uh, series uh, samurai series Blade of the Immortal um, I guess it's kind of like how Hiromu Arakawa uh, from Full Metal Alchemist fame after that series uh, went to a anime or series about uh, dairy farms in Silver Spoon uh, interestingly also set in Hokkaido um, the fact that this is set in Hokkaido instead of Tokyo is also another plus because it kind of gives another portrayal of life in Japan uh, outside of the typical Tokyo setting uh, in any case, as with Arte, the female protagonist of this one, Minari Koda, is the primary reason this so succeeds. Uh, props to the relative newcomer voice actress uh, Riho Sugiyama. Uh, apparently, she had been told by other producers that her voice wasn't suited for anime characters, but her delivery on some of Minari's rapid-fire monologues throughout Figment's every episode uh, without taking pause for breath were super impressive, um, especially when she tone-shifted you know, from kind of being a little bit silly to super serious or super excited. Um, Though perhaps there is some truth uh, in the fact that her voice isn't uh, you know, suited for anime characters, not because she's not talented, but because Minare is not your typical anime protagonist. You know, As a working adult who doesn't quite have it all together, and perhaps that's part of a reason why she's easy to feel for her and relate to her, uh, the so more or less follows her as he gets her own segment on late night radio and starts getting into hijinks, so to speak, to try to create segments for the show. Uh, though somewhat more of a realistic nature than what you'd usually expect in anime. Um, you know, these often relate back to her out of studio failures and shortcomings, uh, particularly in her relationships. Um, the fact that we so visibly see her flaws as a person, you know, she's, you know, kind of loud, obnoxious, a little bit of an alcoholic, uh, makes her feel more real and believable. Uh, I will uh, I will say that there are some stretches of the anime. Uh, it does feel a little bit messy and somewhat muddled direction-wise um, with where they're going with things, especially when it came to her relationships with her co-workers from before the radio gig at the restaurant. Um, but perhaps that's just more reflective of her personality of being a bit of a hot mess uh, more than anything else. Or you know, perhaps the fact that I wanted more Minari and less everyone else, uh, which those segments tend to focus on other people more. 
if there were other nitpicks for me, I think personally I would have liked to see uh, more of the behind-the-scenes progress of how radio gets made. We do get some segments, you know, of the logistics and how-to, uh, kind of similar to how Bakuman pulled back the curtain on the manga-making process or Siro Bako on anime production. Uh, but that's just my personal taste and opinion on what I want to see. Um, you know, I'm making a I'm making a podcast about anime. I'd love to see more, you know, tips and tricks on how to make a better radio slash podcast show. Uh, in any case, the character design, you know, to have the shadows behind the character's pupils in their eyes was also a little bit more than a little bit distracting to me and other people I know as well. Um, that all being said, I give Wave, listen to me, three poop-eating turtles in, aquari- in an aquarium out of five. Seriously, uh, the turtles are super awesome and not the only show uh, this season that has some awesome turtles. Um, as far as anime recommendations, I think Workplace Series would be your best bet. Um, you know, I've already mentioned Bakuman and Suwabako, um, but uh, other ones you know that come up are Skullface Bookseller Honda-san, um, Dengeki no Honya-san, and Golden Boy OVAs. Uh, those are all series I've watched personally and would say are pretty good places to start. Um, I've also heard that Fune wo Amu and Servant X Service and Working also tackle this genre of working adults pretty well. Uh, if Wave Listen to Me is the underrated show of the season, Gleipnir is my pleasant surprise. Uh, based on a seinen manga, it's a death battle series about a boy, Suichi, uh, who has the ability to turn into a mascot and his partner, Claire, uh, who help him try to figure out the source of his power and solve a mystery related to her sister and you know ends up in combat against other individuals who have mysterious powers as well. Um, you know, also, a little bit of a content warning, there's a good bit of etchy and gore in the series, uh, more than any other this season, kind of comes with the territory of, you know, death battle royale type shows. Um, you know, frankly, death game series are a bit of a hit or a miss for me in general. Uh, sometimes they'll have a decent slow burn mystery that gets you hooked, you know, to figure out why the characters are being forced to fight. Uh, sometimes they'll have amazing action sequences that are more rule of cool that don't really make sense when you think about it to me, but it's okay, it's great to look at. Um, rarely do shows have both, and most often they actually have neither. Um, often they're kind of slocky that goes for you know the most shock factor, and you know generally try to show how terrible humanity is, look how terrible all these people are, um, kind of situation. Uh, luckily, Glaibnir is a rare case where we have a good mystery as well as great action, and none of the characters are too cringy, except for Camera Guy. You know, fuck him though. Um, as well as awesome fight sequences and the character development. You know, you can see that. There is darkness and evil within, you know, some of the characters, including our protagonists, but there are also reasons and genuine reasons to feel feel for them and emphasize with them, and you also see them grow as individuals in meaningful ways. Uh, seriously, uh, you know, the fight sequences are super awesome, though. Um, in my first episode review, it was a bit slow, but the fight sequence in episode two really kicked it up a notch, and every couple of episodes, you know, there would be some new sakuga for me to ogle over, which paired with the banging battle soundtrack, there was this one, I forget which episode it was, but it was like a dubstep drop that was just amazing. Uh, the soundtrack was awesome as well. Um... As I mentioned, the the beyond the surprisingly great animation, uh, the characters in the series are great, especially you know Suichi and Claire. While Suichi starts off as a typical reluctant protagonist, uh, over time he becomes more proactive and less hung up on morality, though not in the typical cringy way. 
his relationship with Claire is the center point of the series. And while there are moments where the camera, how let's say this delicately, uh, focuses on how they become one in certain ways, uh, nothing super explicit, though the metaphor is there. Uh, it actually is used in a way that makes sense for the characterization and the personal struggles and growth rather than simply being shoehorned in for no reason at all, though there's definitely more than might have been necessary. Um, the antagonists are also all well done, which instead of being one-dimensional goons who, you know, you'd have no problem killing them off, uh, there is some depth to them, which, you know, makes you question, you know, are they actually good people? Is they, do they have a good side to them? Uh, which you usually don't get from these Battle Royale situations. Um, you know, the mystery of the powers is also a slow burn that, that you slowly are able to piece together over time. Um, and there's a pretty substantial payoff in episodes 11 to 12 uh, with a bit of a flashback explanation. You know, apparently the final episode rearranged some of the elements of the manga for a better conclusion for the anime um, with some new content you know that the mangaka originally wanted to include but couldn't in the in the initial manga but actually felt you know somewhat compelled to go and read the source material to figure out what would happen next uh, which is generally a good sign for the series um, it looks like we've adapted roughly 35 chapters of material out of the 54 so far uh, if there is a weak point for me, I think the actual death game itself, uh, the finding of others who have powers to collect you know, various coins scattered throughout the city and the surrounding mountains, uh, and the powers themselves you know, felt somewhat lacking in being fleshed out, uh, and the actual score tracking you know, of which faction has uh, the most coins and which characters have which coins was somewhat absent, which I tend to appreciate more. Um, that said, I am a bit of a nut when it comes to battle systems and power sets and the accompanying rules such as in Hunter x Hunter, so that's, again, more my preference than everything else and what I would have liked to see. Uh, overall, I'll give Gleipnir four mysterious coins out of five. Uh, recommendations for similar anime are Mirai Nikki. Uh, that's another well-done death battle anime with a reluctant male and semi-sociopathic female lead. Um, I'll also throw in uh, Parasite the Maxim, uh, not the Bong Joon-ho movie, the one with Migi, the, the alien hand, uh, as one that's kind of a death game, though not really, uh, involving body horror and superpowers hidden throughout the populace. Um, I guess if you if we're going in the body horror direction, you know, I also throw in Gantz, you know, as another kind of like death game type situation. Uh, next up, uh, one of the two Crunchyroll series this season, this series that I watched, uh, My Next Life as a Villainess, All Roots Lead to Doom, uh, aka Otome Gemu no Hametsu Furagu, Shikana Ayuka Akuyaku Reijo ni Tensei, Site Simata. Wow, that's such a uh, light novel title. Um, I'm going to just call this Hamefura for short. Um, the obligatory light novel Isekai series of the season, uh, the twist here, um, as they all have a twist nowadays, is that the protagonist uh, reincarnates into the body of Katarina Kleis, or Bakarina, as the fans know her as, uh, the villain of an Otome game. Uh, an Otome game is a dating sim targeted toward women, um, and she tries to live her life avoiding being exiled or killed, as is what usually happens in the games she played in her past life. Uh, spoiler alert, though, that's kind of the whole premise of the show. She ends up avoiding that fate of death or exile by inadvertently seducing all of the potential male love interests uh, in mostly wholesome ways. Um, you know, plus she also seduces some of the side characters and the main character of the Atome game herself, uh, and she does this all without really realizing it. So really, this is another isekai, isekai harem anime, uh, albeit one that's a little bit more gender equal uh, with a super dense protagonist. Um, now, I don't really have any particular beef with isekai anime. Um, they've been just done to death though at this point, so they either need to have a truly unique premise to be interesting, and they also need to execute on a technical level above and beyond the average. 
Um, I also have relatively little patience for harem anime in general, especially those with super dense main characters since the goal is generally to titillate with random etsy moments and string along potential members with hints of progress but no actual progress being made. Um, you know, but on the isekai front, uh, Hamifura, while not only, while it's not necessarily the most technically impressive anime of the season, um, it's definitely one of the most interesting premises. Um, and there's certainly not really bad animation throughout per se, if not anything super impressive. Uh, first off, having a female isekai protagonist with an actual character instead of a blank self-insert slate uh, male um, with a bland personality, that's a great start. Uh, on the harem side of things, you know, while the inadvertent harem lead can be a bit frustrating, uh, <laughs> see your denseness that rivals out of black holes somehow loops it around to be charming. Uh, you th- you kind of notice he's never going to pick just one person at the end, so the question of who is end girl or end guy or girl uh, is completely removed from the, con- from the conversation, which is u- which is uh, you know usually the case in other harems, such as We Never Learn or Quintessential Quintuplets or Nisikori. So since there are no winners or losers, uh, you basically get to just focus on the fun they have you know i think this is accomplished by portraying what her targets would have been like without her influence uh and being able to compare the tangible impacts she had in their lives so it feels a lot more wholesome uh, the fact that this gender equal harem also helps uh, most reverse harem situations tend to focus only on having bisonin pity boys uh as the love interest so that's pretty boring to me um as a in general but you know I think this one is fun for all, no matter your sexual orientation. Uh, the actual content is also pre- pretty fluffy, slice of life hijinks that you know have you su- have surprising moments of emotional gut punches. You know, a tricky balance to pull off, especially when you consider how little they lean on Etsy in developing each potential love interest. Um, you know, it seems I'm not the only one who enjoyed this series. You know, as apparently a season two has been announced. It looks like the anime only covered two out of nine light novel volumes. Uh, frankly, I'm a little skeptical of what real progress they'll be able to make uh you know since spoiler again she's able to avoid all the death flags from the game and who knows what's going to happen next um that said the fact that this so surprised me so personally i enjoyed it as much as i did given the genre it's in which generally are not genres i tend to enjoy uh harmifora gets four glutinous glutinous uh out of five uh, anime recommendations if you like this one will be other slice of life video game isekai with a lovable cast uh, Konosuba Log Horizon and That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime all fit this category um, perhaps some other restaurant isekai tend to be you know pretty wholesome as well um, isekai Isekaya Nobu and Restaurant to Another World are all other examples of this uh, next up, we have an anime that was so good that the author of the manga was based on said to not care about the manga and just to please watch the anime instead. And he went so far as to end his manga shortly after the anime completed. That's how good he thought the, the anime was. Uh, that show is Kakushigoto, uh, a show about a manga artist father who tries to hide his career from his daughter. At first glance, it seems to be primarily the wacky hijinks of an eccentric father as he overthinks the things the things he, his daughter says or how he, he tries to ponder how he might be a good father for her while also dealing with his job as a manga artist and in, and various incompetent editors. Um, you know, comedy and sitcom-esque shenanigans abound, but you know, you almost always in every episode get sucker punched in the field with the almost diabetically sweet uh, father-daughter moments. And then you get a second punch in the gut uh, when it flashes forward seven or eight years in the future where there's a melancholy atmosphere with characters reflecting on happier times, just some unstated mystery of what happened in the intervening years that isn't explained until the final episode. Um, 
you know, I won't spoil exactly what that thing that happened was, but the twelfth episode, which wraps it all all up, is probably, in my opinion, the single strongest ending episode this entire season. Uh, beyond the excellent writing, uh, and the excellent writing makes sense because the author, you know, has done other novel works before. Um, the unique art style with stylized uh, characters. Designs also help to stand out, um, you know. And while we're missing out on, I'm probably missing out on some subtle Japanese puns by having to read subtitles. Uh, for its depth and for its writing and depth maneuvering of different emotional landscapes, Kakushi Goto gets four writing secrets out of five. Uh, as far as anime recommendations go, if you want a similarly sweet parent-child relationship, uh, you should go with Sweetness and Lightning, Usagi Drop, and my personal favorite, Barakamon. Uh, you could also check out other series uh, based on manga by the same author, uh, who's Koji Kumeda, uh, called Sayonara Zetsuboso Sensei. Um, and as I've mentioned before, you know, you could also check manga productions. I already recommended uh, Bakuman as my go-to recommendation for this, though I would also say Gekan Sojo Nozaki-kun is a bit more slice of life, is kind of along the lines of Kakushi Goto, uh, with some sweet uh, memories and a bit of a crazy cast. So um, yeah, Gekan Sojo Nozaki-kun as another recommendation. Uh, before we get to the five out of five, the last four out of four, so five, so uh, spoilers. Uh, I wasn't expecting to actually be able to cover this season. Was BNA or Brand New Animal? Uh, this is the latest work from my favorite anime studio, Studio Trigger, um, and this aired in TV in Japan, but it also streamed on Netflix. Uh, meaning out here in the West, it got stuck in what is known as Netflix jail. Uh, rather than seasonal anime simulcasting, you know, one episode a week as it comes out on TV, instead all six or 12 episodes are released at once in batches. Um, I will say that prob- that probably materially impacted what I thought of and enjoyed the show since, you know, looking back, for example, at Kill la Kill, another Netflix series, or another Trigger series, a lot of the enjoyment of that show came from the week-to-week discussions and speculations of what it meant, looking in the background and other people taking screenshots and discussing, like, what does this tiny detail mean? What is it foreshadow? Um, you don't really get that with things being in Netflix jail, unfortunately. Um, I had to go back to the discussions from, you know, many weeks and months ago from people who uh, sailed the high seas to be able to watch uh, BNA. And so the discussions there are not nearly as robust. So, um, you know, binging it all as opposed to watching it week by week does have a material in, uh, I think impact on the show that said overall again spoilers I did more or less enjoy this show, show. and luckily again BNA was able to get out of Netflix jail this past Tuesday uh, June 30th so I was able to review it for this season uh, in any case, to the show itself, uh, BNA follows the story of a girl, Michiru, who is one able to turn into a Tanuki Beastman, uh, the latest attempt by Japan to turn the rest of the world into we into furries. Uh, anyway, Michiru, as a Tanuki human hybrid, uh, escapes to Anima City, uh, an all Beastman city in a world that you know discriminates against Beastmen, uh, and she meets Wolf Beastman Siro Ogami. Uh, and works with him to find out why she became a beastman while also discovering other secrets of Anima City. Uh, this series was directed by Yo Yoshinari, director of Lil Witch Academia, and written by Kazuki Nakashima, writer of Kill la Kill, Pumare, and my favorite anime of all time, Gurren Lagan. Uh, in terms of reviewing the series overall, all I can say is that this is definitely a trigger show through and through. 
the concept and premise border somewhere between silly and super. Uh, you're not sure, you're not sure, you know, wits or you know if it goes too far in one direction, that it kind of loops back on itself, you know, from being silly and stupid to being super awesome. Uh, the plot is not necessarily the most coherent or even the most smoothly paced. Uh, the ending in particular is a little bit rust and could easily have been, you know, they could have easily had another twelve episodes to build out the world and the writing. Um, the themes and morals may be a bit ham-fisted compared to the more, you know, subtle, layered work out there. Uh, but damn, if the series isn't hype incarnate with a flair all of its own. I think that's the difference between this and listeners, where there were flaws in listeners' plot. At the very least, I think the plot in BNA was more or less followable. And then, you know, I think just the look of the series just was able to elevate it that much. Again, I am a Trigger fanboy and a little bit biased. Um, in any case, the character designs are unique and stand out, um, super stylized, and the animation often leans in this super deformed thing where, like, you know, characters will change sizes relative to each other, um, you know, just to exhibit, you know, the relative power or strength in a way. And that's just classic trigger. Um, you know, they don't really stay on model. Um, it, it's definitely more rule of cool than, you know, logical what makes sense. Um, in particular, though, I, I also want to call out the ca- color palette. Uh, it's kind of synthwave 80s you know color uh, influenced um it's almost as if the entire scene is awash in a particular filter uh such as you know strong pink and blues particularly um, the soundtrack is also really awesome both the opening and ending are awesome but also the ambient ost soundtrack just really adds to the feel of living in anima city and especially matching with the emotions of the characters with whatever they they go through um uh you know uh, it, I, I would say personal standout episodes are episodes 1, 5, and 12, animation-wise. And that makes that's no surprise because these were storyboarded by the legendary Hiroyuki Imaishi, who's, you know, in my opinion, exemplifies the trigger field of the max. Uh, in particular, check out episode 5, which is the baseball episode. Um, yet another series with a baseball episode. Um, the only real disappointment, I would say, is that they ended up not going to space, as is the case with most trigger shows. Um, but, you know, all joking aside, I, I will give this show... Uh, four Tom Nook lookalikes out of five. Again, this is definitely heavily biased uh, in my favor, in, in Trigger's favor, just because I love their work and the way that they do animation in general. Um, but yeah, so as far as things go, you know, again, the recommendation would be other Trigger shows, um, Kill a Kill, Little West Academia, SSS Gridman are all great series from Trigger, um, and, you know, the recent firefighting movie, Pumare. And again, also my favorite series, uh, Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann. Uh, if you're into the Zootopia half, you know, half animal, half animal thing, try Beastman, uh, another series found on Netflix. Um, I'm probably going to end up doing a Studio Trigger episode on this podcast soon. Um, and who knows, I might end up doing a Gentry Bent Michiru cosplay for Khan at some point. It seems kind of fun to be able to do that. Uh, finally, we have the two shows that are five out of five for me. Uh, given that they nominated most uh, sub uh, the anime subreddit discussions, Karma Charge for the whole season, uh, these wouldn't be a surprise. Um, you know, we have Tower of God or Kaminoto, uh, a adaptation of the Korean webcomic by the same name, which collaboration between Webtoon and Crunchyroll, uh, and the first of its kind, as far as I'm aware, in adapting a manhwa. Um, you know, it follows the story of Bam uh, as he enters a mysterious tower in search of his friend Rachel. You know, along the way, he makes friends such as the Wily Kun and the Gator Rack, um, among others, as he learns about the mysterious world that is within the tower, and there are subtle hints of a conspiracy that have yet to be fully explained in the show. 
um, this 13 episodes covered the entirety of the first volume of the webtoon, about 78 chapters total. Um, but everything that happens here really does turn out to be a prologue for the rest of the tower and the story. Uh, volume 2 apparently has 300 chapters, and Volume 3 is currently up to 68. Um, you know, so you know, while those who have read the you know original webtoon say that you know there is a little bit of disappointment in not adapting things entirely faithfully, um, I think the challenges of adapting things to, uh, you know, an anime form, it's a different medium, you have to be taken into consideration. So I haven't yet read the webtoon. Um, I plan on doing it at some point. It's just, that's a lot of chapters for me to get through. Um, but, you know, as an anime only so, though, this show is pretty legit. Um, you know, maybe it's the awesome art style with thicker brushstrokes as outlines uh, for the characters. You know, combined with some very, you know, impressive sock or during you know action sequences, um, maybe it's the clearly well thought out power system that you know has room that they have room to grow on and build on and customize and get some unique powers coming in that hopefully they'll develop in future seasons. Uh, maybe it's the slow build build up pacing that accelerates as the slow go on and, and things get more intense later on. Um, you know, maybe it's the five-dimensional chess maneuvers that characters do as they manipulate and trick and bluff and counter-bluff each other. Uh, maybe it's that absolute out-of-nowhere, yet at the same time complete the telegraph, if you know what to look for, uh, twist at the end of episode 11 that completely recontextualizes the show and make it worth watching all over again. Uh, whatever it is, you know, Power of God is definitely one of the competitors of anime of the season for me, uh, with five angry chibi gators out of five. Um, you know, Rock is definitely the best character and all of his turtles. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to a hopefully quick announcement of season two. Though that may have to wait till the powers that be at Crunchyroll and Webtoon uh, crunch the numbers on the this coming season's uh, God of High School to see if they'll continue the partnership and you know adapt future uh, chapters. Uh, like I said, when the series first came out in my first episode, uh, this could be huge for the world of anime by opening up Korean manhwa as a potential treasure trove of source material for them to adapt. Um, the only reason I haven't yet, again, I haven't yet read the source material is that, you know, I'm currently torn on whether or not to stay anime only in case they have another season come up and just to enjoy it for what it is. Um... You know, you know, 500 chapters is also no joke. Um, that said, I, I, I already did peek ahead some episodes because I couldn't stand to wait to see what would come happen already. So I'll probably end up diving in at some point. Uh, as far as anime series to recommend, if you like Tower of God, I think the appeal for me at least is that it's a crazy huge world that's hinted at. You know, you know there's a big world out there by the hints out there. You just haven't really seen it yet. Um, and there are a bit of mind games, you know, that... that that, that shows that, uh, and I think, especially those with long episode arcs would also fit in. Um, so, Sonin classics such as Hunter x Hunter, especially the first uh, Hunter exam arc, uh, One Piece, uh, even Yu Yu Hakusho, maybe even Toriko, uh, and Attack on Titan. Um, you know, Attack on Titan definitely leans on the five-dimensional chess game situation. Uh, for a shorter series, perhaps check out uh, Made in Abyss, uh, which features the same music composer Kevin Penkin and plays and features you know mysteries as the characters explore a mysterious landmark. In one case, a tower; the other case, an abyss. 
Finally, uh, we have Kaguya-sama, Love is War Season 2, uh, the follow-up to the winter 2019 anime adapting the same manga uh, follows the hijinks of the student council of Suchin Academy as the president, Surugane, and vice president, Kaguya, uh, attempt to get the other to admit that they have feelings for each other. Uh, Kaguya-sama is a relatively simple premise, but where it excels is in its execution. Uh, the first season primarily focused on the various over-engineered attempt to get the other person to confess with multiple bluffing, counter bluffing, five-dimensional chess again, uh, taking place. I think five-dimensional games may just be something that I really enjoy in anime in general, given my two five out of fives do use that a lot. Um, but anyway, uh, throw in you know, a little bit of chaos from Secretary Chika and the R guy, uh, Treasure Isigami, and each episode, you know, had me busting out my gut at how intensely they portrayed everything. It really loved up to the subtitle Love is War, as each counter had the intensity of a Sonin non-battle uh, non-battle battle. Uh, you know, credit is credit due to the mangaka Aka for writing such an enjoyable story and you know super likable cast. Um, but beyond simply adapting the already excellent story, uh, A1 Pictures went above and beyond in elevating the story to take full advantage of the animation medium. Um, this season alone, you know, they threw in references to fighting games that didn't exist in the original manga, and they also added in segments animated in the style of Western Peanuts cartoons. Um, you know, the animation was completely polished, and so the love and care that went into this production and there were definitely multiple sequences that were definitely animated on ones that you know the chica dance became a meme all on its own the first season of uh, Kaguya-sama primarily consolidated itself with the episodic gags that were, you know, all in a similar vein, you know, building up the characters while, you know, wrapping up the entire season with a climactic Summer Fireworks episode. Uh, here, in this season, the Sirogane versus Kaguya, you know, war continues, uh, you know, trying to get the others convinced, but it's not quite as prevalent. A lot more time is spent on building up the inner character relationships between them and other characters and fleshing out Chika and Isigami, especially Isigami. Um, you know, they also introduced Ino as a new addition to the student council in the election arc. Um, and again, the, the sports arc, you know, fleshes out Isigami's character, you know, that, you know, if you look at season one, there were a lot of hints at what had happened um, and it's kind of finally all brought to light now. You know, the second season, uh, up to the second season, we've we've adapted 90 chapters or so. There's another 100 chapters or so to adapt. And I can only say as it goes on, the groundwork laid in these early episodes and chapters will only pay off multiple dividends uh, with even the smallest details becoming relevant later on. I should definitely know. I went, as soon as the final episode of season two aired, I went and read all 193 chapters of the manga to catch up, uh, plus the official doujin. Uh, I'm truly counting down the days until we get season three confirmed by the studio, and I pity any anime that will try to compete against Kaguya-sama for viewership. Uh, Kaguya-sama is five hey hey's out of five. Um, also, Hayasaka is best girl. Uh, please at me if you have a different, aka wrong opinion. Um, as for a similar anime, it's really hard because Kaguya-sama is so unique. Um, perhaps a bit of it's a bit of Monogatari uh, series in terms of the animation styles. In fact, there was a direct reference to Monogatari uh, in an earlier episode this season. Um, Gintama, perhaps for the absurdist humor and references made throughout. Um, just I think Grand Blue, Gakan Sojo Nozaki Kun again, Asubi Asubes, and Haruhi Suzumiya um, are you know other school high school age hijinks comedies. Um, maybe even Assassinate Some Classroom for the intense you know play counterplay counter counterplay play in high school as well. Um, I also haven't seen this myself, but I've seen a lot of recommendations for Science Fell in Love, uh, so I tried to prove it. Uh, that's an anime I've heard has a similar approach to romance. 
So that's all ten shows that I watched this season to completion. Um, as far as the se- as far as you know, this season goes for anime of the season. Uh, it's a really tough call between Kaguya-sama and Tower of God. Uh, as standalone works, both are completely solid pieces of anime that excel in writing, animation, and character. Uh, Kaguya, as a sequel, does have a little bit of advantage in that it's able to build off the characters and situation that was established in season one, uh, while Tower of God does it all within one core. Um, looking at them in adaptations, again, I haven't read the original Tower of God webtoon and can't confirm firsthand. Um, again, I, as I mentioned, you know, some webtoon readers weren't happy about adaptations. Uh, and Kaguya-sama, as I said, went above and beyond in adapting the source material, adding in completely new interpretations of the material to make you know use of the anime medium. So I think, honestly, it's a wasp between Kaguya-sama and Tower of God. That may be a cop-out answer. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Who do you think is anime of the season? Uh, other notables, uh, you know, Gleipnir gets the award for biggest surprise of the season. Uh, Wave, Listen to Me, gets the most slept on series. Uh, overall, you know, some may say anime spring 2020 was a bit disappointing, you know, given the various delays and such. Um, but I can't say it was a complete failure, you know, with, again, not only the two anime of the, the seasons and the other ones I just mentioned, but also other solid shows such as Hamefura, Kakoshigoto, and BNA rounding things out. And again, that's only the series I did watch that suit my taste. There were a ton of other shows out there I didn't watch um, or watch the completion. In any case, uh, that is the recap on the 2020 spring anime season. Uh, let me know what shows you enjoyed this season, and also let me know what shows you're looking forward to. Um, I'll list out all my rankings and recommendations for this show in for this season in this show. And like I said, next episode we're going over uh, summer 2020. Uh, check. Uh, let me know what you thought on Twitter at yet anipod. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the show, let me know at yet another anime podcast at gmail.com. Um, by the time this show goes up, I'm actually going to have my My Anime list up to date. Um, link to that as well as our iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play links in the show notes. Um, please leave us a review or there on Podchaser. really helps us out. Uh, intro and outro music is provided by Suichi Sakagami at Tandes.com. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Any case, that is it for this episode. Uh, we air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Until next time, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang. Mm-hmm.